Welcome to the Cheyenne Vineyard Podcast, bringing you a message of hope for your everyday world. If you'd like to contact us, contact us at info at CheyenneVineyard.com. You can also find out more information about the Cheyenne Vineyard Church at CheyenneVineyard.com. Thank you and enjoy today's podcast. We don't want to leave your presence, Lord. Please wrap your loving arms around each and every one of us, Father. That the cares, that the worries, that the insecurities, that the lies, the deception, all those things that are not of you would be washed away. Reveal things, God, to each and every one of us today. Be my words, Lord. Be everything here today, God, that is true and righteous. Father, be with us. Open up our minds. Open up our eyes, our ears, Lord, that we would hear you and that we would feel your, your hands around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I have an idea. <laughs> Could be dangerous. How about we just stay here the rest of the day? No teaching, no, get some music going. Hmm. Just, just a little preface to, to why I'm here today. Uh, we had someone in the body who, who, who came to Pastor Jay, and he felt like with all the revelation, within the teaching of revelation, that it would be good for the, the elders of the body if, if they wanted to, to, to relay to you all um, what we were getting and taking away from those teachings, if anything, and or how it is we try to live wholeheartedly for God. So that's, that's the preface of why I'm here today. Wow. A lot of things in those incredible teachings that Pastor Jay provided. You know, as he, as he began those teachings in the, from the letters of the church, to the churches, um, my household began studying some of those things alongside. And just when he got to teaching then about the, the feast, um, it, it continually amazes me how God worked from the very beginning to prepare everything to where we are today. And the message is not different. The message is the same. It amazed me that, that when I studied and looked at it and when I heard the teachings, how all the names of those churches meant exactly what was going on in those churches. 
Ephesus meant the desired one. Or Smyrna, myrrh, which is death. Pergamos, which was marriage, mixed marriage. But when you looked at it more, it was an objectionable marriage. Or Philadelphia, brotherly love. And then Laodicea, people rule. Their names almost said everything. And it's, it still does today. Revelation 1.1 says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John. Now, first of all, <laughs> the, the cool thing about this is Revelation comes when we're all on our own little island of Patmos. That revelation from Jesus came to John when he probably had little or next to no hope for seeing anyone on the outside world except for those guys who were being shipped there to break stone. And yet in the middle of his island of Patmos, in that cave, he received some of the most incredible revelation known to man. Some of the most incredible revelation known to angels. And then the second part of that verse was it gave us road signs. The book of Revelation is full of road signs. Oh, man. You probably can't see the one that says absolutely nothing next 22 miles. <laughs> Sometimes I long for that stretch of road. But the more, the more I look through it and I realize that, you know, I would read the book of Revelation and I, I would read that information and I would go, God, show me when the end is coming. Show me the exact moment. I want to know. I want to know. I'm looking, I'm looking in the sky. I'm looking at society. I'm looking at all that. And God said, Randy, think back to why I gave that book to those people back then. It wasn't because of eschatology, end time study. It was because people were crying out to me. They were in the midst of death and destruction and hardship. They must have been crying out, Lord, where are you in the midst of all of this? We believe you, God. We believe. We believe in Jesus. We've given our lives to him. But what is happening to us today? Revelation 2.10 said, Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. A lot of Bible scholars say that, that for ten days you will have tribulation pertain to a decade, well, ten decades of time back then. Ten different emperors which caused the death of up to ten million Christians. That's why they were crying out. That's what they wanted to know. They wanted to have assurance in the midst of their death, of their, in the midst of their pain. And I think that's what, 
what God has brought me to understand here in the last few months is that's what I need to focus on. God, what is your assurance in these times that are changing? Revelation 1, verses 10 and 11 says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, Write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus and to Smyrna and to Pergamum and to Thyatira and to Sardis and to Philadelphia and to Laodicea. God gave us a blueprint in that time. He had the letters sent to a church that represented some aspect of the condition of the churches of the time. And the most incredible thing was he had it distributed to the churches kind of in the best postal route that could possibly happen. If you look at the map of where the, where the cities were, he sent the letters in the little horseshoe that they were knowing that they would be close enough that they would spread the information from those letters to each other. Each of them had a certain condition. But Jesus knew that the strategic placement of that information would be spread to all the church. And in that, Jesus would be in the middle of the church, no matter where it was located. That's exciting. The first thing we need to be the most assured of in all of this comes from Revelation 2.1. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand who walks among the seven golden lampstands. There is our hope. There is our assurance because Jesus walks among the church no matter where it is, no matter which church it is, no matter what condition the church is. Jesus walks in the midst of the church because some of those churches as described were pretty horrible. Jesus was among them. Second Corinthians one twenty four came came to my mind as I was preparing for this, and, and it's a theme that I'd like you all to understand. It was said many times in Scripture by the writers of Scripture. I am nothing. I have nothing. I have no skills. I don't have the voice. My Lord is my voice, and that is how I come to you here today. I have nothing. I am nothing without Jesus. I don't want to be anything without Jesus. But 2 Corinthians 1.24 says, Not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy. For you stand firm in your faith. Folks, we are here, the leaders of this body, for your joy that you would realize the ultimate joy of giving your lives over to our Lord and Savior wholeheartedly. One of the cool things as I, as I was studying and, and listening to the teachings was, it is so cool that all these letters applied locally at the time. It was their church, it was what, what was happening there at that time. All those letters apply ecclesiastically also. They apply to the church. 
I'm telling you what, anybody who cares about the church can read those letters and find every single incident, example, or condition that exists in the church today, no matter where you're at. And I would say, hallelujah, it is a hallelujah. It's a road sign for us to look at and learn from. The letters can be, can be applied personally to me. I can read them and I can know that Jesus was speaking to me. Let he that hath an ear hear what the Spirit says. At the end of every letter, that's what he said. If you have two ears, listen twice as good. And then there's a pattern to each of the letters. I read them over and over and over again, and I kept saying, Jesus, what is the pattern? Because it's something that you've taught us that I need to know, that I need to ingrain in me, and I felt like the pattern is each of those letters has positive affirmation. Jesus starts out by saying, you're doing this well. This is you, my beloved. This is you. And then he moves into corrective exhortation. We all need a little correction here and now, here and then, now and then. I are full of correction. And if it means I'm going to become more wholehearted in my pursuit of God, keep correcting me. And then each letter ended with eternal motivation. Now, isn't that cool? I'm going to tell you the good things you're doing. And then I'm going to correct you a bit. But even the word corrective, exhortation means motivation, encouragement. So it's corrective encouragement. And then he's going to eternally motivate us. That's what we need more of these days. I need it to, to be shown. I can't be focused on what's happening all around me. I need to be focused on heaven, on Jesus. And that's what Jesus said in it all was the key. I, I I read another commentary on these books, and the pastor who wrote this commentary said, The mysteries of the Lord in chapter 1 intrigue us to no end. And the glories of heaven revealed in chapter 4 of Revelation are incredibly gripping. So, most people go from chapter 1 to chapter 4, saying, Can't I just skip all those chapters in between that deal with people? You know, if you have a dog, those of you who have dogs, we don't have to worry about it so much here in Wyoming. But if you have a dog, and you're in a room, and you're calmly in a place, whatever that place may be, for us men, we might be in our nothing box. <laughs> and then our dog comes in, starts scratching away. And you're thinking, ah, nothing like a dog with fleas to just ruin my whole moment. You shoo your dog out of the room, you come back in and try to establish where you were. Folks, 
The church has fleas. I have fleas. I'm betting some of you have fleas. But the good thing is, somebody has that collar in here for my fleas. Somebody has just the proper thing that's going to help me get rid of my fleas. And somebody else has just the proper formula of something for you that's going to help you get rid of your fleas. Jesus speaks to and through the church. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. You know, there, there's another place in the Bible says, if your right hand offends you, chop it off. If your eye offends you, pluck it out. But there is never a place in the Bible where it says, chop your ear off. Spiritually speaking, we need our ears. Spiritually speaking, we must always have our ears wide open to hear the revelation that is being laid in front of us. Everyone needs positive affirmation, corrective exhortation, and eternal motivation. Because no one is all bad. There's something good to affirm in someone. Because none of us is all good. There is something to correct in each and every one of us. But because we are children of the high king, the great Lord, our Jesus Christ, we all need eternal motivation. That's what this church, the church needs in this day. So, you're a married couple that wants to throw in the towel, but you think, ah, oh, things will get better. You're someone who, who decides, well, I can discontinue my walk with the Lord for a little while, but I'll get back to him later, and all things will be okay. Or you might be someone struggling with sickness, and you're just thinking, I'll get better someday. But sometimes you don't. Sometimes the marriage doesn't get better. Sometimes you don't come back to Jesus after you've walked away from him. Sometimes you don't get healthy. That's why Jesus said, my motivation is heaven. It is me, your Christ. Stay the course. Keep the faith because of heaven. Jesus said to Pergamos, Thyatira, and Laodicea, there's a tree of life up there. A crown for you. A new name. Keep focused on me. And as Pastor Jay pointed out last week, none of this comes by sitting and waiting. We're on an uphill slope. And if we stop, we're going to go back down. We can't sit and wait. We're living... I'm going to warn you. I kind of feel like Peter Pan up here today with a wire attached to my hind end. Just feel like I'm flying all over the place. But last night, God had me change my train of thought. <laughs> 
He's kind of that way. We have kind of a big picture, little picture existence. The big picture is a painting that God is creating. Since the beginning of time, it's a painting with bright colors, incredible hues, something that we could picture ourselves in the middle of. We live a life that is a little painting, a little picture. Now, whether we can give ourselves wholeheartedly to God or not will dictate whether that painting is blah, whether that painting is tans and grays, and, or whether that painting is reds and purples. We're not perfect in leading wholehearted lives. I'm speaking for myself. I'll I'll let the, the other leaders of this body speak for themselves. But I am a problem child. Probably will be a problem child till the end of time. But God loves me. I have learned to push forward. I have learned to not stop. I have learned that God does not want me to stop. He wants me to keep pushing forward. Galatians 1.10 says, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Wholehearted. Whole. Where all the parts are present and working as a whole. As the total, which is greater than the mere sum of the parts. This factor is especially significant in metaphorical contexts or those focusing on the spiritual plane. Did you know that the word whole appears 408 times in the Bible? I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And the Holy One of Israel is your redeemer. The God of the whole earth he is called. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? And finally, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Whole is complete. Whole is completeness. I came upon an anonymous quote that I really just stayed on for a while. And it says... We we outthought the Lord here in America. We told his spirit that we can do it all in our own cleverness. Or we told him that he could not work that way anymore. Either way, we seem to have lost him here in America. He took his fire to China. And there probably are several more countries that you could add to that. 
One of the keys to completeness are two of the words that are in that quote. Outthought. Friends, when I'm winning the battle, when I'm living as close to being wholehearted for God as I possibly can, I'm winning the battle of the mind. That's where it all starts. That's where it all ends. And when I'm winning that battle, I'm closer to being wholehearted in the life I want to lead. And it, it helps me as a husband lead my family and my wife in a wholehearted fashion because I can understand that there are lies being told to me that I was believing, but I'm not going to believe them anymore. I'm going to brush them out. I'm going to rebuke the enemy, and I'm going to say, Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. And my family has changed. My life has changed. My employment has changed. It doesn't just happen for me. <clears throat> I'm telling you, before I are a pastor, I worked in the world. And God was changing that outlook there. I know that's the way it is for him. I know that's the way it is for him and him and much many more of you. We live it out there, regardless of where we're at. I don't care where you work, what you do. You can lay flat on the floor and like give it all to God. You can dance around and jump up and down and sing praises and worship no matter where you are. I've done it every place I've worked in the last eight, ten years. And things change there. If you're having troubles in your marriage, look to Jesus, look to heaven. You know the truth, you've heard the truth. Don't let the lies take you down. If you're having trouble at work, things are miserable. You're believing the lies that say there's a better place, a better time, a better occupation. Push them away and just say, God, you have me here for a reason. Use me. If you're at a point in your study of the word, your worship with the Lord... You're believing lies that are taking you more away from that and more into what the world wants you to do or wants you to hear. Destroy those lies. Crush them. Push them away. God wants you wholehearted for him. And wholehearted is not half-hearted. He won't stop loving us. He wants, he wants to help us get there. He wants to help us get there. God is a whole God. He wants everything inside and out. And when we are wholehearted in our walk with him, the colors are rich and perfect. 
If we let the lies into our marriage, our relationships, our family, our friendships, some of the color leaves. When we let the lies about our jobs get in, what's going on, we're not operating wholeheartedly in our employment, some more color leaves. When we're not wholeheartedly in our fellowship with the body, if we're taking more than we're giving, and we're worried more about ourselves than others, more color leaves. And what about God's word? Are we just scrimping by? If we are, then the painting even gets worse. I read a story about a, an old father getting ready to pass away. And he brought his four sons to him. He had a, he had a farm. It wasn't the largest farm in the world. It wasn't the smallest farm in the world. But he was worried about his sons. And as he was laying in his deathbed, he brought them to his bed and he showed them a bundle of sticks. And he said, do any of you know how to break all of these sticks in this bundle? They all held it and they all tried to figure out how they were going to do that. And each and every one of them to a T said, we can't do it as they're bundled together. And he said, yes. When you are united and woven together, almost nothing can break you. That is what Jesus wanted when he sent those letters to the church. He wanted a church throughout the region that was bundled together, that couldn't be broken unless they allowed themselves singly to be cut out from the batch. And then, you know, snap, you can break them pretty easily. But when the church is woven together, that's why they call it community. Unity. Unity. My roommate in college was an incredible example for me. He was the guy who never missed a Sunday of church, paired with the guy that missed a lot of Sundays of church. He was a pre-med student who was diligent in his studies, both of the world studies and his word from the Lord. And he put up with a lot in his roommate, who was an actor, drinking his life away, worried about the things that were not important. I came in contact with my old college roommate a few months back, and he's a, he's a homeopathic doctor. And we, we spoke, and he said, yeah, we don't go to church anymore. It's full of hypocrites. It's full of people that just hurt. 
We don't want to be hurt anymore. And I was devastated to hear that from my, my college roommate who had always been so strong. I began praying for him, God, he loves you. And then God brought me the revelation. The church is full of hypocrites and people who hurt others. Yes! Isn't that great? That means we can change each other. That means it's more effective if we change each other in community and then go out there to conquer. And it's powerful, it's more powerful than when we're out there in the community together conquering. There's a lot of painting left to do, folks. It's no accident that that God had me change to this area of painting last night. And it's no accident that you got the paints out, Kaylee. There's a whole eternity left of a painting that needs to be finished. You each have colors you need to put into that. We, we all of us need to get to where we are more wholehearted in our walk with God. So the colors will be rich and vibrant There's an operational manual in Acts. Chapter 2, verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes... They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This too is a painting. This precious word is a painting from our Lord. Every verse has a place. Every chapter has a place. And everything comes together for an incredible painting, an incredible light to follow, an incredible something that we can always put in any room that we're in. 
and it will show the way. There's a lot of painting to do. Have you noticed the colors out there are being dulled? Have you noticed that the colors of the church out there in the world seem to be becoming dulled? You have a color to put into the painting. Each and every one of you. But it is time. It is time to put that color on the tapestry. And when you get done with one color that God tells you to put there, don't stop. There's another color, I'm sure. Don't stop there. There's another color, I'm sure. But brothers and sisters, don't stop on the hillside. Don't stop on the hillside to wait. We have moments of rest, but we have a God that gives supernatural strength. What color are you? What color will you put on the tapestry? Father, I thank you for these people, for this fellowship, for this body. Father, because you have changed parts of this city through these people, you have taken the truth and the love of your son Jesus through these people to other parts of the world. And it has been glorious. Father, we pray today that you would embolden each and every one of us here today to go out into Cheyenne, out into Burns, out into the places where we live and start slapping that paint on, God. That we wouldn't be afraid of what people would say, what people would do, but that we would know, Lord, this is what you want. This is what you have called us to do. Show us just a little bit of the world, God, that we can continue to push away out of our lives until there is no world in our lives so that the lies and the deception would not work their way in any longer. Father, give us strength. Sometimes we seem few, Lord, but give us the strength to stand up, to stand against deception, to proclaim truth and love, the love that Jesus showed us. Most of all, God, heal those that we love. Heal those who seem lost. Continue, God, to show us how to love them, how to pray for their healing.
And Father, bring salvation to a hurting world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We will have the prayer team up here. If you need encouragement, come up. We'll have the prophetic team. If you need anything, come up. God so wants to touch you every day, every moment. He wants you to be wholehearted in him. And it can start today. I'm telling you, it just needs to start somewhere. Go, be blessed. As the wind roars today, pray for the Holy Spirit to take it over. Ha, 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 ha.